It is part two of the two-part series of the VHFDX podcast as we uh, do a wrap-up on the 2022, I guess we'd say, DX season. Um, Hopefully more tropo to come. Um, I'm Nick Langan. It is a a pleasure to have you here. And uh, I'm with uh, my partner in crime, Bryce Foster. Um, Bryce, we're going to feature some more wonderful clips at the end of this episode um celebrating some catches from 2022 but you know most of all there's there's a lot to catch up on um sort of you know the state of dx tools ranging from how we report dx to equipment um and some you know tools of the trade some tricks uh, a lot of good things to come this episode Yes, some of these have been kind of on the back burner. Uh, I mean, I don't want to call it the back burner, but we've been meaning to bring them up for a while now. And we've been seeing discussions and getting emails and keep thinking, man, we need to bring that up on the podcast. And then every time we get caught up in all this amazing DX out there and thinking about, you know, the actual propagation, the nuts and bolts of the hobby. So we're dedicating this part two of the 2022 wrap up to all of these long uh, delayed topics that we've been meaning to discuss. So we're going to talk a little bit first about uh, the latest on tools and platforms, including our, I think, one of our pet topics for North American DXers, which is the Rabbit Ears Auto Logger. I sure, sure wish we could make that international at some point, but uh, for now it is kind of a North American thing. So we'll do a roundup of some some new ones on there and just uh, continue nagging people to turn those on. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about equipment, some you know really mostly software related um, developments in the world of SDRs. Um, there's also been this a lot of chatter out there in our inbox and on some of the social platforms about noise and noise floors and RFI, EMI, whatever you want to call it in the context of the FM broadcast band, which is normally not something we really hear much about. It's always thought that noise is most more of a problem in the world of HF and media sure, wave. Sure. So wanted to dedicate a little bit of time to that. And then we'll kind of wrap up today by looking forward and talking just a little bit about Tropo before we go, uh, since that's really for most in the Northern Hemisphere, what we have to look forward to for the next few months as we go into the fall. So I think first we kind of wanted to do a little bit of a roundup on the state of how we're all staying in touch with each other and and some some cool tools that are out there and just making sure that everybody knows um, how a Nick and I are interacting with the community and then you know just kind of a, a state of things. We've had some changes in in this and definitely in North America versus the last several years. So uh, I think we kind of wanted to round that up by first talking about logging tools. So I'd be remiss and and really in this whole thing, if we did not mention FM list first, Uh, I think Nick and I were just talking a little bit before this uh, episode about how great of a tool FM list is. And, you know, I think we wanted to put out a proper thanks to Gunther and the team there that has developed this platform. You know, I think I was I guess it's proper to say a first hesitant to use the tool. It's 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 I think a, a lot ton. of people were. I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's just, it's a lot of data. There is, you know, just in the US, we have over, I think the number is about 22,000 FM stations on the air here. And yep. FM list does include, I think, some low band TV. And, and I even see some six meter beacons on there. So not counting the non FM entries that are in there. Uh, if you take that and, and think about all the stations in all the countries in the world, there are hundreds of thousands of FM stations in FM lists. So it's kind of one of those necessarily complex tools. But once you get to use it, and they've done a great job at keeping it up in the 10 plus years that it's been online now, uh, I really feel like everyone is kind of consolidating around FM list. And uh, I definitely, that's my main logging tool now. And wh what about you, Nick? Are you still doing Excel logs or what, what, how do you, I don't think we've ever discussed it before, even offline, how you do your logbook. Like what does uh, that it, look like for you? It's a great question. It, it, you know, it, it's kind of messy, but I, I can tell you that since um, I just wrote, a small little script, um, you know, for the longest time, probably through about, um, I think probably 2016, I was doing Excel, just adding stations as I logged them uh, to an Excel logbook or, you know, catching up through audio review. Um, you know, I started using an SDR. I, I did the RTL SDR in 2014, um, but I got the AirSpy in 2015, and that's when it, you know, it it became real, I guess you could say. Um, so I realized, you know, by about probably 2019, um, that there was no way I was going to ever have any sort of accurate count, just continuing to manually update um, an Excel log. Well, it just so happens that since 2011, I've been using FM list. I remember, you know, it's it sort of the WTFDA discovered it, or I, I'm pretty sure people in Europe were using it before then. But it just, you know, there is a small learning curve. Um, but once, you know, just as Bryce said, once you get going um, during openings, it's pretty easy. You just sort of pick it. It detects based on the azimuth of the station you log, it then lessens the, or shortens the window of stations based on typical e-skip ranges of what you can select. So if you select um, 92.3 from Omaha, and then you select 93.1, you'll see stations in like a 20 degree window. Um, and so all to say that I have been keeping fairly consistent logs in FM list. I've fallen astray the past couple of years, um, including when I go back in time, you can use FM list to add stations. So I decided to merge the two um, and it largely went OK. Um, if anyone's interested in in actually the, the script, it, it's nothing great, um, but that I did, you know, manage to cobble together that merges an Excel log um, with FM list data. Um, you have to export the FM list data yourself, but let me know um, bhfdxpodcast at gmail. So um, FM list has been the only way, the only way I stay current. And I do when I'm here, you know, actively logging openings, um, I try to use it. Um, and so that's my go to. Um, and I think this year in particular, I, I would credit you for um, sort of evangelizing their 30 minute skip map. Um, that, the donuts. The donuts, which is, is and so more than ever, um, I know we mentioned him a lot on episodes, but, you know, I would 
either I'd wake up every morning or um, it's it's been eye opening what a predictive tool it is. Once Larry in Newfoundland starts hearing, you know, stations from down this way. Um, and I think it, it goes to show, first of all, there's a lot of paths that probably just go into nothingness in, you know, Labrador or, you know, northern Quebec or, or even beyond that. Um, but it, it, all these these alerts, people, you know, within I mean, we've talked about it a little bit within like 250 miles. FM list has it down really well. You just give it an email address or you could probably give it an, an MMS, you know, SMS number um, and get alerts that way. So um, FM list is amazing. Um, it has been really cool to see more people in the states use it. I'd still love to see more, um, you know, the holdouts, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> it's it's time. I, I'm sick of the excuses. Um, and I, I there's some people, for example, there's a there's a uh, fellow, um, you know, 20 miles north of me in, in Burlington. If you're listening, I'd, I'd love to know who you are because. Your logs are are better than mine. I I would actually say, um, but there's uh th there's been a a growth on there in the states that's been really cool to see. So, um, I think any conversation about logging tools, um, you know, should start with FM list, but also you know, giving there there was a disappearance. We've talked about it, you know. I think at the beginning of the season, um. For at least 20 years, probably close to 30 years, um, there was the DX World uh, TV FM skip log um, that a lot of people here in the States posted to, you know, broadcast band DX, not just FM, but they had a medium wave. And then obviously for like uh, amateur radio spots as well. Um, and there was a contingent of folks led by Pat Dyer back in the day um, that used that site. And I think we're hesitant to leave. And finally, it seems like the plug has been pulled. Um, so W Logger, yeah, developed by um, our own Bryce Foster, um, has served a great purpose. Um, it, it's a lot of the regulars, not all, but but a lot of the regulars from the TVFM skip log um, migrated there. Again, a total of North America focus there. Um, uh, a few folks from Canada. Uh, Saul Chernos, former guest on the podcast, uh, DFOP, dear, dear friend of the podcast, um, and Rob Ross from Ontario as well, but mainly U.S. folks. Um, so those two tools, I, you know, as far as like, what does Nick do, you know, if he's on the road, hopefully not driving um, and wanting to check if DX is going on, you know, between FM list alerts um, and then refreshing w logger and seeing if there's red um those are probably my go-to tools um bryce any thoughts there uh yeah so a w logger if you're not familiar with it it's just you just need to be a wtfda member which is like ten dollars a year again north america focused and the link is wlogger.app uh i think you can also get there via wtfda.org slash logger uh, and you just need to sign up. Um, and one of the admins of WTFTA will approve you quickly. If you're a member, I think if you're not too, they maybe will give you uh, some grace period. So I don't know. I wrote the program, but I don't moderate it. So, um, that that's been a good tool more for sort of socializing around DX. There's a, there's a, you can type in your log. And then if you want to comment on it, you can like, and comment and, 
somewhat uh, controversial you know, and it's but, yeah, it's a very basic layout. I don't plan on you know div- adding too much craziness to it. I think it's good to keep it simple in the spirit of TBFM's Kip log, and we have a really good higher complexity um, logging tool when it comes to FM list that's you know exactly. less social and more of a of a logbook. And the only thing I'd add to FM list, you know, I, I use it avidly. I've been trying to, I, I too did an Excel logbook completely, uh, even until more recently. Really, when I started changing over was last year when I started running into some of these international Latin America, transatlantic and my Excel logbook was an FCC uh, data dump, and I would use a VLOOKUP and type in call letters and have it populate it from the FCC database. But FCC really is mainly Canada and, and you, of course, mainly US. And I think they have some data from Canada in there. Um, and I just found myself typing in so many manual logs and then seeing all this cool activity on the maps and getting the alerts. I finally just conquered the small learning curve for FM list um, and started using it. So the two things I'd recommend if you're not, haven't adopted FM list yet, if you're somebody that kind of wants to see more of a comprehensive walkthrough of the platform, you know, and to, to memorize the steps or maybe write them down. If you're kind of one of those folks, if you learn new computer tools by writing them down, I would uh, go on to YouTube. You can type in FM list in YouTube and if two people, uh, the, I think the one that I'd call out would be Lloyd Van Horn have done some really good, uh, just like how to use FM lists in logs. Again, you could also look for Lloyd's channel. Um, he's got a great uh, FM and medium wave. I think he probably focuses a little more on medium wave, especially lately, but um, overall really good um, walkthrough of FM list there. And then the second tip the there's at the top of the my fm tab when you're going through and logging things there is a little colored uh, square that will say ease a is off Uh, make sure to flip that to on i think Mm. you might have to use put your email address in there but that's what you need to do to get the alerts flowing if if when you're in my fm if at the top there's not a green rectangle that says ease a is on then you're not getting those really handy emails and i get the email alerts from dx maps as well and i would say this is the fm list alerts are there's less spam and it's more related to what's going on useful since, to our neck yeah. of the woods in the radio spectrum exactly that's right exactly. yeah dx maps will tend to send you a ton of emails that are six meter openings and it might be someone on PSK or, or that's FTA with a really yep. weak signal that you know or meteor scatter that gets logged as e-skip and you just get a ton of emails and you start ignoring them. I would say FM list is much more helpful. If I get an email from FM list, the band is probably open. So or it's at least worth checking. Yep. Yep. Totally so, concur. Yeah, FM list, encourage everyone to look into it and um, hopefully we'll talk about it more, maybe uh, convince Gunther or somebody on the FM list team to come on here and talk to us. If you're listening, reach out to us via we would love to podcast at gmail.com. Um, and then, you know, just in terms of sort of socializing around our hobby, there's been, I don't know, I think some some shifts there. Uh, as well over the past few years. And I think I've talked about it in part one that I recently, I had a Twitter account 
that I was using to follow the news and the world. And honestly, I got so much anxiety from just the state of things. I won't go any further than just to say there's a, the world is a place that I don't necessarily want to be as plugged into anymore. I've kind of gone on to a, I'm quitting social media trend, but I made an exception and came back to Twitter for, as I say, DX and good vibes only. So <laughs> if you repost a lot of political tweets or bad news all the time, I probably won't follow, follow you. Sorry, but um, not it, afraid it, to I, use the mute button. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. That's or, right. or the filter out the keywords. So that can be valuable you, too. You guess the words uh, that I've filtered out and I've got them I... filtered out. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I'm on there. I'm at DX underscore Bryce. So follow me if you, if you haven't. And then Nick uh, manages the WTFDA um, handle and post from there as well. That's at DX TV FM. So give us both to follow and, uh, and join. We've, you know, I think had a lot of recent entries there and it's a really good way to stay plugged into the international community. Uh, there's just a lot of people from the, both the U S and, you know, overseas, Asia, Europe, some of them you'll, you'll, you've heard from in the clips from part one, and we'll continue highlighting them here. I feel like that's been a, a budding community of, of the Xers as not affiliated with any, organizations so. yeah as i totally agree with your social media sentiments you know 100 percent um it, but you know i i actually one of the few like it the dx community on twitter is one of you know a few shining examples of the good that um social media can be used for it's been a good place for clips to be shared um for you know a connections you know software development releases you know several we'll, we'll talk a little bit further about equipment revelations several of the software developers in the sdr community are on there so um while you know i think 99 of the time you probably want to avoid uh the social media platforms if you want to retain any level of sanity um if you're you know just follow what bryce and the wtfda account uh, are following and you'll at least have a good little network of um tv fmdxers and if you have any questions on that as well um you know email us reach out to the vhfdx podcast gmail email address um but i think some good thoughts there yes and then i think there's really two active forums that are still going on so one of them is the wtfda forum that i think is a bit under construction We're right now trying yeah. to fix that and uh well it's uh you know Ooh, the, maybe uh, i shouldn't have, it wasn't on my show notes maybe i shouldn't have brought it up but yeah uh, it, it's not going away that right is now. a uh, that's a nick task or at least partially and uh it's got uh it's got a ways to go but uh you know uh stay tuned wtfda.info i think the url is it's uh you know we're getting there we're getting there but uh, under construction yeah there was a bit i think that thing is what 15 years old and the old web host things needed to get retooled a little that's bit, right? it's been it's been through several different migrations and i think there's you know in in the end there's database corruption and i think the evaluation point has been um do we try to revive it or start from scratch i think we're going to try to start from scratch so um it, it just uh you know i i know that there are a small handful of folks who use that to post unidentified clips that 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 was actually a good use for it a good use case for a form so we do as you know part of the wtfda's board um i you know we're uh we're working on it you know as uh life permits i guess you could uh, you could absolutely. say absolutely life um, 
life comes first. So, <laughs> you know, DX is uh, just a part of it. And then I think really the forum that's probably the most active on the topic and kind of like a legacy forum format, which it really is good for long form discussion and roundups and attaching audio, really good community at Skywaves. Um, you know, I'm sure that they've been around for a while and there's their gremlins in there too, but um, I found it to be really fantastic. High quality. Really, yep. Yep. Yeah, yep. really lots of good tips and tricks. I think some of the more advanced SDR topics, you know, in general reflects the technological advancement of the European DX community. So really kind of an international, or I dare to say specifically European focus on the Skywaves group. But I'd recommend everybody checking that out, even if you're not really interested in European DX conditions. There's a lot of good tips and tricks and tools and equipment and chatter that goes on there that's quite advanced. So I think that if you just Google Skywaves DX, uh, I don't I don't know what the exact URL is, but that's the other forum I wanted to call out. Um, and then the rest, you know, are I would say kind of scattered platforms, you know, so we have email lists, of course, WTFDA has one if you're a member and you want to join, I think activity has been a little less I still try to post, you know, I try to plug the podcast on there and there's still some good exchange of um, unidentified signals and general um, propagation chatter that goes on there. Um, and again, give WTFD a join if you're interested in that and you can uh, get yourself added to that email list. And then, of course, in the, I don't know, I, I don't want to wade too much into the world of Facebook because there's groups for so many different geographies. And that's also a very active place. Uh, as discussed before, neither of us are on Facebook, but I know a lot of people are in the US. We have WTFDA has a members uh, Facebook group, and then which is pretty active. And then there's also one I think called the TV FM Watchdogs or maybe FM Watchdogs, something Watchdogs. Uh, I think that has the highest member count in the US. And um, I'm sure there are different groups for various European regions as well and, uh, around the world. The, the only thing I can speaking of dogs, but uh, the only thing I can add there is I just gave a, you know, we talked about my presentation or my, the conference I was at in Finland. Um, the presentation was basically uh, surrounding how terrible of a, a workplace Facebook is. So that's all I have to say on the matter as far as Facebook groups. So well, yeah, I, will, I will leave it at that. So you will not <laughs> find Nick or I on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Don't have much to add there otherwise. So, not much uh, to add. But... <laughs> and then of course, we've all for better or worse, I think there's a lot of you know, things that we know about through the grapevine, people's discords and slacks and little regional groups. So the that's game fantastic. It's just a great, yep. it's a great get involved with our community. We have a small group of people. And if you're interested at all in sharing DX, you know, just talk to some people out there and you might find little places where people gather to talk about regional conditions in a chat type of environment or uh, you know, Discord, Slack, I think are the big ones, or maybe Signal, Telegram, I don't know, some of these little WeChat and uh, WhatsApp. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of groups about DX around the world. And then a good old fashioned, get the cell numbers of some people in your area hey, and text them when text group. Are up. That's, you know, back in the day, there used to be phone groups, um, you know, people would call when, hey, I've got UHF 
Tropo to Kentucky. Um, that was the way to do it. So, um, but, you know, I, I know there's been like various concerns is the hobby, you know, with such a small group of people, is it too fragmented as far as, um, you know, forms for sharing, you know, did just, content and um as far as alerting and yeah i mean there are i think that's also affecting all groups right now because there are so many different platforms um so that's something we'd also welcome your feedback on as well um if there's like a vision you might have for you know linking some of this as well um you know email us in we'd we'd love to hear your thoughts cuz i i think that is a you know a subject that comes up sometime there's too many communities or um, but I would also say that's not unique to FMDX. There are a lot of, you know, you throw in Reddit threads and, um, you know, yeah, there is a I think there's a DX uh, subreddit, right? Uh, I don't I don't know how I've never I'm not. Yeah, I've not really traversed there. it. But I know every time I bring up this hobby to people, um, you know, who are at least in the general age group, um as, as i am they're like oh it, it, there, there must be like a subreddit for that and and i haven't really checked but um you know so um but that's i would embrace it but i also say you know it is important to you know there's there's only so many of us um to to try to stay together as well so that's where like um the twitter presence i think is really cool um and then you know um staying staying on you know what what we can also try to do here i think which is kind of cool to have this platform is you know we do our best with what's happening um in a given period to try to round up on accomplishments achievements um so we'd love to you know based on our clip roundup and if you have any other ideas as well um to try to make this podcast interactive um since we know there's a lot of places people go to discuss what's happening um, but that's again i think it goes back to the beauty of fm list um having a place where a lot of people are reporting that needs to be central to what we're doing um and bryce we also wanted we, we've given it a shout out several times on the podcast uh the rabbit ears uh developed um by are you know a, a a wonderful resource uh trip um at rabbit ears um he introduced you know we've talked about it um last summer um you know rabbit ears is tv based uh not just tvdx just a great place for tv listings of north american tv broadcasts um and they've had this, you know, live autologger TV system for several years. Well, they introduced the FM one last year. Um, and over the course of the summer, you know, we've talked about it quite a bit, encouraging people put an SDR with a dipole, you know, in your attic and download the software, reach out to Russ KB8U who developed the FM portion. Um, and people have followed. Um, so several shout outs we wanted to highlight. Um, a couple people reached out to us. Um, Adam Rivers, actually, I think he originally posted on the WTFDA uh, email list. Um, he is he's uh, a, a Connecticut radio personality, but also a longtime DXer. Um, he set up a autologger in Wallingford, Connecticut. Um, Bill Nolman, veteran FM DXer, um, veteran medium wave DXer too, very accomplished, does these great DX trips. Um, something you know, we might want to have a chat with him about on a future episode. Um, he's had one that's been up and down in Farmington, Connecticut, an autologger. Uh, shout out to Ash. 
um, in Westchester, um, not too far from some of my haunts uh, in Villanova. Um, he set up an auto logger. He also part-time has a place, I think, in Atlantic City um, down the shore um, where he's set up an auto logger. So really cool to have another one you know, sort of in my backyard. Um, and thank you, Ash, for emailing in. If you have any other questions, um, we gave him some tips on how to better position or, you know, I, I think he's working in, you know, limited space condo. We know there's a lot of you, you know, it's not always going to be, you know, sunshine as far as like setting up your antennas. We totally get that, but it's awesome. You're trying. Um, Dipole user, Bryce, you know, near your old stomping grounds, Henderson, Tennessee. Um, and we want to give a shout out. You know, we've mentioned Steve Rich, you know, is he number one in the power rankings of TV DXing? That's, you know, who's to say. Um, but we are very, very thankful that from his, you know, famed Milford, Illinois auto logging site for TV, he has added an FM antenna and receiver. Very exciting. Just in time for the fall tropo season out in the Midwest. Um, phenomenal. Um, he's got one going on on rabbit ears. Um, and is his partner in crime, Mike Glass, uh, who's based out of Indianapolis. Uh, he set one up in Lebanon, Indiana. I know that was getting out to like South Dakota and Tropo a couple weeks ago. Um, longtime DXer Matt Sittel. Um, in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, he used to be out in Omaha. He's had some, he had some good, he had some tropo, I, I to Wyoming, I, 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 a couple of weeks ago, um, wow. which was, yeah, like, wow, like that's, that, that's actually really, you know, it, it, a, something that fascinates me, like the edge of the plains and like the arid environments when those openings happen. Um, so he's a very accomplished DXer. I'm sure many of you know him. Um, and then finally, um, one in Seaside, Oregon, right on Mystery the Mystery DXer yeah. here. Please identify yourself. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to know more about you, particularly Bryce. I know that that particular model corner antenna, that that his, you know, rabbit ears title uh, for the autologger um, that he's using. Um, we have not seen that one too much. Yeah, really hopefully out. our Finnish listeners have stuck with us here um, because I know it's definitely, a, I think I, I think uh, Peter Corner, I, I believe is, a, is uh, either Finnish or he's a Nordic guy of some sort sure, and sure. Uh, designed these fantastic antennas with this unique design with the, uh, I'm, I'm going to use bad antenna terminology, but the vertical reflectors at the end of the antennas. So I actually have one. Uh, Les Rayburn in our community was fortunate enough to import some commercially built ones. And I was able to get in on that a few years ago. And of course, I think they're, they're, you know, somewhat straightforward to DIY build them as well. So Brian Beasley's site, K6STI, if you Google that, has a great lot resource. of gr great resource overall, talking about resources, but a lot of the corner uh, measurements and design tips and dimensions and all that stuff can be found on Brian's uh, site. So anyway, happy to see another corner 9.2 user uh, out there in coastal Oregon and the site seems to be doing pretty well. We overall just really need more DXers in the western half of North America. So if you are out there or you have a location, a friend, family, relative that might want to host something like a dipole or a 
omnidirectional loop or, or something out there, you know, feel free to reach out to us for tips and tricks. You can maybe even lend some spare gear, whatever it is. Um, definitely need more auto loggers on the West Coast. There's also some gaps in the Southeast, I think Florida. Um, yeah. But we've seen yep. a lot of these. I mean, the, a lot of these are brand new. So a lot of new uh, nodes going up there on, on the FM auto logger here in North America. So thank you for continuing to uh, invest in that platform. It's a fantastic, we love it. Fantastic way to keep track of, of conditions because these computer DXers are much better than sometimes Us humans. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's... For, not to veer off topic, but what I've been doing is, you know, I use I'm an avid user of the SDR play duo. So I have two antennas up one for or phasing, as I'd call it, and then another one, my main antenna up on a, you know, hot heavy duty rotator. So a lot of times when I'm not actively using the diversity feature, I will leave my phase antenna pointed west toward the rest of the US and have the auto logger running on that thing while I'm looking for transatlantic or working openings in other directions. I just kind of leave that thing always pointed west. So I think I need to update my description on there because I've changed antennas but um it's a fantastic it's a fantastic way to where you just let the robots monitor for the for the dx and the boring directions if you want to call it that while you look for something more exotic exotic no that's and and you know I'll, i'll briefly update you know i think at the beginning of the season i wanted to try to um supplement my auto logger with a um dipole antenna um i don't think the results were great i think part of that is just unfortunately my dial conditions um but um so you know i'd still encourage people you know if if they're looking um to at least get something set up um you know a dipole would work Uh, but overall it was just great having that running the entire season um you know every now and then you know an opening would surprise me that i wouldn't um that i wasn't actively listening for um it's tough you know the one thing i'll say is it's tough you probably don't, and I am envy of if all of you. I envy all of you who can just sort of pick a direction and get a you know wide range of DX based on one azimuth. Again, I you know I I love my APS thirteen. It, it's kind of old in the tooth, and I think that's probably a factor. But it's prolific at like nulling e skip. 30 degrees off the bearing. Oh, it, it is. It is amazing at doing that. Not so much Philadelphia anymore. I, I can't really know that, but it, it's it, it has it's tough. I, you know, I'd love to find a better solution um, where I oh, can sort to- of just sit and point um you know which it seems like i don't know it seems like a lot of you folks can do i can't do that with the aps 13 it's like if i'm aimed at you know 190 which is you know roughly florida then i have no chance of hearing the gulf coast and then if i you know move it up to it just it it did the skip it is a great skip eliminator so um that would be a a pet peeve of mine and why i think for an ideal autologger setup you kind of don't want something um, that directive um, as far as just, you know, its sharpness. Obviously, you do probably want front to back, although maybe you don't. Maybe you do want to know when Newfoundland is is coming off the back for those of us here on the East Coast of of the U.S. But um, just observations that I had over the course of running it, because I had it running all season long with with no regrets. Um, But 
I think some things that I could potentially improve on, um, you know, looking ahead to 2023. Um, yeah, but- for I, I guess for those probably in the center of the US or in somewhere where there's DX in all directions, some of these omnidirectional solutions. I know here in the US, we have the HD6010 available, a WineGuard product, which is basically just two dipoles, 90 degrees um, perpendicular to each other in phase, you know, which creates a roughly omnidirectional pattern, perhaps a vertical dipole um, or like a vertical, like ground plane type of antenna, you know, could be good omnidirectional. Uh, and then you could always, I think the other tip that was embedded in what you're talking about, Nick, is, is having two, you know, two yes. computers or perhaps yep. two virtual machines. That could yep. be a really advanced topic. Possible. I have, Possible. haven't tried it. I but... have not attempted, have not, you know, uh, you know, use your mileage may vary, but that is true too. You might be able to. Worth a shot. Out. But anyway, if you have two of them, you could always use the same when you email Russ to get this started up and his emails, kb8u underscore vhf at hotmail.com. He's the one that kind of manages, can set you up with a user ID and your coordinates. Uh, You could always use your unique ID that he gives you. Mine is like 25 uh, and set up both of your auto logger machines to report to that same user ID. And that's a way that you could run multiple antennas on the same uh, the, the same auto logger ID number. 100%. So that's what you do. I plan to do that myself with an omnidirectional because right now I pretty much have an antenna that's mostly just pointed west. So anyway, enough auto logger chat, but thanks again for people's continued Good attention stuff. there. Good stuff. It's very helpful. Uh, but kind of adjacent, I think we've had a lot of development in the last few months and really we wanted to thank Yusuf of SDR Sharp and the AirSpy kind of lead developer. I think he does both the hardware and the software for AirSpy. Uh, and then Simon Brown of the SDR console platform. Uh, of course, we have a lot of great SDR software out there. I think we highlighted some audio clips and anecdotes from Ken Alexander out there in Thailand, who's talking about all the different SDR software platforms kind of have their strong their strengths and the omissions in them. Um, so, you know, platforms like SDR play and GQRX and some of these, um, platforms out there are all fantastic and can't thank the developers enough for the continued effort. That's where it all starts. Exactly. However, I think in terms of ones that have been at least lately more oriented toward broadcast band DXers, and I'll, I'll say that broadly, uh, in both, you know, FM and other types of broadcast DXing. I really feel like Simon and Yusuf, the uh, AirSpy, SDR Sharp, and SDR Console platforms have really been putting in a lot of effort in updates and improving functionality for our hobby. So mainly just want to thank those guys and then kind of go over SDR Sharp. I've really been using it a lot more lately. Uh, especially the eight with paired with his excellent HF plus receiver. It's really a great option. If you have, like I do a strong, um, you know, 10 kilowatt and up station within a few miles of you, I have one that's about a 50 kilowatt transmitter about six miles or 10 kilometers away from me that can really cause problems with some radios and specifically the SDR play duo and its diversity function gets overwhelmed when I'm pointed in that direction or somewhere in that general vicinity, which is North 
northeast for me so you know when i'm working tropo up in that direction or looking for not really transatlantic but you know looking in that direction it's super handy to use the canceller function with the hf plus that um has a very very good dynamic range and front end and and is generally very resistant to overload from these strong stations so the canceller if you're not familiar with it is yusuf's kind of proprietary invention that manages to create kind of a virtual DSP-based null on whatever your undesirable dominating station is and kind of grabs, uses the capture effects to uh, to, to grab whatever else is, is beneath that signal. I'm probably not describing it in a technically accurate way, but it's a great way to cancel out some pests and grab some DX underneath if the DX is moderately strong. And it can be paired with any of the AirSpy radios. You could also load in an IQ file from any other SDR into SDR Sharp and use the canceller on your IQ files, which is also a unique way. It really is. It, it makes it such that you really probably are tempted to never delete your IQ files. Oh no. Um, because, you know, particularly as this, and again, he puts in the time Yusef does to improve this. Um, you don't know what you could go back and find. Um, and actually, I, I do regret deleting some, you know, files from like 2015 because now I wonder. Um, so that's, that's what, and I don't know, you know, that necessarily people realize it doesn't just have to be live DX. It can be files that you've recorded in either HDSDR. I know there's some, I'm, I don't want to reference it directly because I haven't tried it in a while, but trying to load in SDR console files into the SDR sharp to do the playback, that's a little messy. Um, but various platforms it, it is compatible um and it's really like you know you could find stations underneath um you know particularly it's, it wouldn't be crazy to maybe find a double hop signal um i know a few folks have talked about that um that maybe it's under a skip signal depending on your dial so it's just a it, it's a really um particularly if you don't have the bandwidth we've talked about diversity mode we'll talk about sdr play a little bit um for two antennas the fact that this is a possibility is kind of mind-blowing. Um, it, it is. It's it's DSP magic. And I think Yusuf is probably one of the leaders out there in terms of his ability to develop software and understand all of the nuances of DSP and how it's um, relevant to SDRs. And I'm in over my head talking about these, I, with these acronyms. However, I, it same, really same. it's it's mind blowing. And you talk about, you know, I work in the technology field and we're always touting, um, you know, companies that, and, and individuals that release software at really high frequency, you know, make little tweaks and just are constantly pushing updates to software. And, and he, Yusuf is the poster oh, child. He, he doesn't his, stop. Yeah. His release logs are just a barrage. I mean, I don't know if you ever sleep, <laughs> Yusuf, but we thank you for your service. Um, just and he manages to run a camp. very active Twitter account too, which is like, yes, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's he is at Lambda Prague is his uh, L A M B D A P R O G. Lambda Prague is uh, Yusuf, the developer of. We'd love to talk SDR to you. SDR Sharp, yes, please. <laughs> uh, and then I think SDR Console, another great shout out. Um, Simon Brown of the UK has been developing this for years. It's my preferred. It's my go-to. I spend 90% of my time 
in SDR console. Um, can't thank Simon enough. I've donated several times and would encourage anyone who uses SDR console to do the same. He's got a really prominent um, on his site way to, to donate to his cause. I don't know how much commercial revenue he gets from the platform. So that's important. If you use it, please donate. Uh, Absolutely. For, and he's continuing to be very active in development as well, including public betas. So before he was just releasing this to his kind of test team of people that, that, that help him develop the kits. And now he at least releases some of the betas out to the public, which includes version 3.2. And that, especially if you're listening to us from North America, has some really helpful developments um, specifically around RDS. So I know him and Youssef are both always working to make RDS more sensitive. I think they've pushed it to at least the point of diminishing returns, especially SDR console, to where it's it's really optimized now. Theoretically, there's no more room for yeah, yeah. There's there's that's that's exactly I think where it's at. Which is you know that's there, there's only so sense you know without tapping into probably more bogus decodes and and things like right that, so. right. So yeah, beyond the sensitivity, which I think he's been tweaking a little bit. The main update is the call sign support for the U.S. and Canada. We have a lot of weird outliers. Uh, I think this is a worldwide phenomena, the lack of discipline in setting PI codes at very various stations yep. around the world. But in the US, we have a structure that has a lot of exceptions to it. Um, for those of you listening from the US, you'll be familiar with the iHeartMedia uh, PI codes to start with a one. So it's not perfect, but Simon has put in some logic that helps at least get a higher percentage of accurate um, resolutions of these anomalous iHeartMedia PI codes that start with a one. And then really the, the space where there's been a lot of improvement and a very high rate of accuracy is the Canadian um, call signs, which I think is partially thanks to our friend Bill Hepburn in Canada, yes. who's been working with Simon to get some of the Canadian um, standards for RDS loaded into console. So you know, now when you're when you hear a, a CBC Radio One fade up and you get that famous PI code B two hundred two B two hundred two, it says CBC Radio One right up, up at the top, which is really helpful to narrow things down and just kind of know what you're having. And then a lot of the non-network Canadian stations too are now resolving correctly. So thank you, that's Simon. Awesome! That. What a DX tool that is. No, that's and and console is awesome. You know, we talk about it. You know, the data analyzer making the mountain of IQ file. You know that that seems so gargantuan. It, it at least makes it feasible to traverse through IQ file backup. Uh, just being able to visualize. Um, you know. That, that that that's all because of the time he's put in to to enhance that so yeah we've talked about data analyzer on this podcast i think there's only so much that can be done over the medium of audio so i keep saying i think i promised and i broke my promise multiple times that i'm going to do a youtube walkthrough at some point of how i use that because i really think it's one of my secret weapons so anyway stay tuned for that um the uh, the one final thing i wanted to mention about scr console it's not really news but I've been chatting with a few DXers about this, and uh, I just recently built a new computer for myself. And uh, I'll just set the stage. This thing is like a rocket ship, this new <laughs> PC I bought. I mean, it's got 32 gigs of RAM, i7, 12th generation processor, Ooh. NVMe. I mean, this thing is, I, I really, I went hard on this new PC. I mean. And I loaded up SDR console 
and it wasn't performing very well. And there is a there is a default setting in Windows 10 and 11 called game mode that is the antithesis of, uh, I think, SDR console and some other non-gaming programs. Interesting, interesting. So if you're a Windows user, um, hit your little Windows key and type in game mode and see if it's turned on and can strongly consider turning it off because it will, as I understand it, will deprioritize programs like SDR console and and worsen the performance of those types of programs because they're not considered to be games. Uh, and it's really prioritizing the performance of gaming type of programs. So anyway, I found that turning that off, uh, I also have a laptop, my auto logger that sits on the side. And uh, I noticed it just, I would, that laptop is always, it runs cool. It's got low CPU usage and it's running console 24 seven. And I realized it's game mode is turned off. And meanwhile, I have this rocket ship of a computer that's struggling with the program. So it really Jimmy, makes, no, a, big, makes a big that. difference. Yep. That is, how did you discover that? Uh, I was actually Googling cause I set up this new computer and I'm thinking, how can it be that this yeah, performance is so that, poor? So I Googled it and actually found, I think his um, groups. Vibrant form. Yeah. Dis- yes. I, that's wow. That's how about that? That's cause yeah, that's what a great, I mean, folks, that is the VHFDX podcast difference. What a, what a great tip, you know, cause I, 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 you know, every now and then I hear of folks who are, you know, getting new computer installs. As a matter of fact, I mean, I don't have any great PC hardware right now in my setup, but, um, I'm going to go through and check now the two laptops that I do, um, run SCR console on frequently and see if that setting is, is, you know, is enabled. That is uh that's awesome. That's a, yeah, that's maybe a it won't fun. be the magic bullet for you, but I definitely, it also had a, I have an ELAD S2 that was having some weird problems and they went away when I turned that off. So anyway, give it a shot. Um, and then I think before we move on from this equipment topic, also a new version of SDR play, as far as I can tell, it does not really have any major changes for FMDXing, but, you know, continued thanks to that team for maintaining it. hundred percent. Excellent duo. Platform. Diversity mode, still a salvation. Um, you know, that is for busy to be. areas, especially. Yep. 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 Um, and then another hardware topic, I have um, had had the great pleasure of having a, a, a dialogue with Larry Horlick there. We mentioned his name a lot. We'll play a few of his clips here coming up soon. Um, him and then Andrew uh, Nafel in Ohio, who we've also called out as just having great seasons. Both of them have something in common, which is the ICOM R8600. So this is, you know, you got to have the budget for it or find a good deal on eBay or something like that. But um, really like one of these conventional, traditional shortwave receivers, I only realized recently it has an IQ out port that can be connected to your PC and used as an SDR in SDR console. So I think this one is particularly good. I know Andrew in, in, in particular is within... You know, very close or, to the Akron, the big app, yes. you know, like um, WQMX, WD, the uh, 88.1 WZIP. Yeah, that the big, um, you know, tower farm in that area. Um, and you're exactly right as far as, um, you know, overload would be an issue. Yet on several channels, you know, it there is enough sensitivity 
where he's had autologger meteor scatterer hits um frequently um not to yep. mention you know what i think have been some you know excellent skip logs great tropo particularly I believe at the beginning of this month there was a really i think actually more like late july there was a real good midwest opening where he had out um it, 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 the autologger had you know easily into indiana illinois um i believe he had the chicago area um and so that's you know and and not to mention i'm I'm still blown away by some of his tropo logs last year he had philadelphia um which again i know how hard that path is um and that's a credit to this icom setup um so it's intriguing obviously it comes with a price tag um yeah but, but higher off environment worth considering um yeah i think it's the difference you know i, I really realized this as i was reading some of the commentary around the new perseus receiver which look forward to hearing more about the timeline and when that's coming out but you know the developer was basically taught the hardware developer was talking about you know the the kind of sophistication in the in the circuitry and the dsp and things that i don't understand um in order to have this balance between dynamic range this uh, the ability to reject overload and pull and, and be sensitive simultaneously it's just something that it can only be done so much for cheap and at some point mm. it just gets costly to set yep. up the set up a sophisticated rig like this so consider the r8600 larry also i don't know that he has he has a few big locals up there and in, in the saint john saint john area. sure sure and um he said he's got you know basically no um overload issues um with that rig and i feel like it was i don't want to put words in his mouth but would really lit up andrew's um fmdxing so anyway hot tip on the rd 600 if you have other rd 600 users out there love, love to hear, hear your experiences and and talking a little bit about strong fm stations that cause desense as we call it or spew out spurs or noise We've had a lot of topics, uh, conversation lately out there, social media and our, our inbox for the podcast, the email list, you know, just in general about people's experiences with noise floor and, and reducing um, noise and bringing down noise floors, which really, especially as we've been in the Perseids meteor scatter season, it's really key for some weak DX, weak signal um FMDX. And I feel like it's kind of been neglected. We've never, when we talk about eliminating noise and, and the really noise levels being an inhibitor of DX, it's usually in the context of HF and medium wave and these, these lower frequencies where it really is very obvious and super pervasive. But I've always had the theory, and I think people are talking about it more that it's still, I mean, it's maybe not as much of an issue, but it's still a very real problem, especially these days on uh, VHF, including the FM broadcast band. So yeah, a few material ideas that I've, I've heard, and then one of them that I've incorporated myself, I do think you should pay attention if you are located near one of these um, cell towers or mm -hmm. UHF TV. I have heard, you know, whether it's a receiver issue or a transmitter issue, um there i have heard some theories especially from the dtv dxers i think yep. ed, ed phelps ed a very phelps successful guy i was thinking of yep, yep he lives near uh, in rural kentucky with a large uhf tv station nearby that was causing a lot of noise problems even in vhf i think he got one of these bandpass filters that 
only passes, you know, it, it will isolate that specific frequency range and pass through others. They make them for FM broadcast where it will pass through only the FM broadcast band. I think our friend Keith in Massachusetts here uses one of those. Yes. Um, so that could be an idea if you suspect that maybe your noise is coming from a local cell tower, TV station, something like that outside of the FM band. Um, and then for me, I have, I think we all do, you know, it's just impossible to avoid gizmos and gadgets that create RFI, if you want to call it that. Um, I think I have some of that in my shack and you could see it via these like birdies on the SDR, you know, these little lines yes. that show up. Yes. I have a Wi-Fi transmitter in here that I suspect is maybe one of the issues and at least to some extent, some of that, I believe, was feeding into my coax in the shack. So I went on a tear of building common mode chokes, uh, or I think that's what they call common mode. Um, yeah, a common mode choke, which is uh, this also K6STI that we mentioned earlier. He's got a great um, how-to on how to build these things with just a coil of coax. So if you leave a few extra feet of coax and then coil it in a certain way with a measured distance between your little loops, tie it up with a zip tie and, and build some of these coax loops at both your right near your antenna feed point. And then again, right near the feed point in your shack. I did that and noticed a significant reduction in these little annoying lines on the screen. And then I saw my noise floor drop a couple of decibels, not much, That's... but it was, I suspect just the gizmos and gadgets on my little rack of radio equipment that includes, you know, a Wi-Fi transmitter and some lights and stuff like that, that could very well have been getting into the coax. So again, I think neither of us are RF experts here. So just speaking without a ton of technical accuracy here, those are a couple of things to try. That's um, good. And then of course, some of it is just your antenna location. And obviously if the sources are broadcasting noise across a wide band, and they're, you know, let's say it's your neighbor's uh, TV or grow light or, you know, whatever. Nothing you can really do about that other than just try to move your antenna's position to where maybe beaming certain directions, it, 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 that's, that's off the side or kind of off the, the rear side where the knolls are. Um, and maybe try different types of antennas, stuff like that. Um, or if you have a good relationship with your neighbor or your friendly local power company, maybe you could try to do something to nip the bud, you know, nip it in the bud, um, help them install ferrites, buy new equipment, whatever. Yeah, that's, have a, that's chocolate. Have a barbecue that's, uh, yes. you know, <laughs> that's uh, smooth it over. Um, and no, and I would also, the last thing I would say is, you know, there have been, there's been at least one instance where a noise source I've been able to con conclude um, was coming from one of the Philadelphia like their IBOC sidebands um, spewing, you know, spurious um, yes. emissions. Um, this is something I know people have observed. Um, I would suggest, you know, politely in the, you know, in the most, um, you know, professional manner possible, uh, don't be afraid to reach out to a responsible engineer. Um, they're probably busy. Um, but, you know, if you can document with screenshots um, the offending signal, just some evidence. Don't just say, hey, your transmitter is, um, you know, a mess. 
I don't expect much of a response. But I think um, I know in the case of the one station I had identified this happening to, um, I finally this was probably about seven years ago. Um, I emailed the engineer um, and within a couple of days it was taken care of. So um, just a lot of times you can find them on LinkedIn. That's a good way to stalk uh, chief engineers of stations. Um, Definitely in in the U.S., the FCC filings sometimes will have the name of an engineer responsible in some of the FCC filings. I've used that before and successfully had some issues with local stations resolved. So politeness goes... But a long exactly. ways. And um, I've had a couple of not polite interactions that also got some, I'm not recommending that, but uh, anyway, that's, um, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. That's, uh, you that's know, right. And that's, they need to comply with FCC. That's true. Their the necks US. are on the line. So that, that, that could always be, uh, you know, seriously, your next step, um, depending on where you're at. I know there's some FCC field offices that are not so active. I can tell you the Philadelphia one, they will run through a wall for you uh, to, to, you know, if there's, <laughs> if there's like a, you know, 50 milliwatt signal, you know, in it, that that's covering 88.3. I I've, I've heard stories um, that they'll be out really? like the next day. That's uh you know, our good buddy, uh, Steve K3 PHL, like, uh, you know, he is, uh, he has reported several different instances, you know, he knows a, a guy over there. Um, and they are responsive. So, but I know New York, Boston, um, not so much the case, Florida as well. So that's very regionally dependent, but, you know, depending on where you're at, your local FCC field office, it, particularly if you have, I, I know several, several people, you know, a, a unlicensed transmitter, um, that you suspect, you know, obviously that, you know, doesn't have clearance or is violating the part 15 rules, um, a, a signal wise that that can be another obstruction, uh, you know, channel precious channels are, you know, few and far between to begin with. Um, if there is an unlicensed broadcaster, or again, maybe a station that's just very sloppy, the FCC, um, they are an option as well. So. That's right. That's right. So okay, well, we've gotten really carried away here with this. <laughs> a lot of great things to talk about, man. Uh, so in the like, couple minutes that we have left, I guess, what, uh, what are we looking forward to for, for the e-skip season or sorry, for the rest of the DX season, uh, which I think is kind of tropo and, and meteor yeah, scatter, I right? Mean, I mean, what are you looking for? Nick? I have to say like, you know, I, I, I love e-skip Th- this. I honestly, though, this is probably my favorite time of the DX calendar, like now through end of September, it doesn't always happen. Um, it could just be a bunch of, you know, I-95 Trapo, as I call it, that is like no good. Um, but usually, usually you can almost set your watch like the past couple of years. It's been like the cold front, the back end of the cold front at like September 19th or, um, you know, interesting Tropo um, specific to here in the East Coast, you know, northern latitudes you know, or, you know, uh, mid-continent latitudes um and so um i i think there's a lot of you out there that do really enjoy a good tropo opening same thing for our friends in europe so this is kind of the peak season it's already been good 
in the Midwest, I think it's had a banner. I just the way the the weather, um, I, it's been dry in a lot of places. Um, in, in some places, hot. obviously, yeah, dry and hot. Obviously, there's been some localized terrible flooding as well. Um, but I think the weather has been conducive to just sort of, I don't know, that the APRS path. I know, shout out to a longtime DXer Frank Merle, um, who's been, I, I love reading his posts on W Logger. Um, he is quite the character. Um, um, but he had Minot from Macomb, Illinois on Tropo, which is well over 700 miles. Over the Great Plains of the United States. So it, it is a total yeah. land-based path. The stuff that happens in the Midwest is stuff you won't find many other places as far as overland Tropo. Steve Rich taps into that all the time. Our, our friend Greg in Kansas, his autologger, he was getting into Wisconsin. It's been great. It seems Justin, shout out to Justin up in the Twin Cities, um, getting into Nebraska. From um, a tough DX location too. Yeah, near the, big the Twin Cities is not a good city. DX style. No, it's not. And, and I know I know that that you know he DXs despite it. Um, so I love reading about the Midwest Tropo, and I, I you know I envy them because it's it's tough um, here in the you know the Mid Atlantic specifically getting those openings, but they do happen. We'll see if they happen. Um, you know, in the next, yeah, I would say probably, you know, sometimes you get it in October, but you kind of, you know, September is the month. It really is. It's just, you know, the, the transition in the seasons, um, hard to describe, but, um, so that's, you know, we'll come back with an episode, hopefully recapping some good tropo. Um, and we invite folks, um, you know, maybe between now and then, let's see what happens. Um, but send in your favorite clips, maybe. And and we'd love to hear, you know, I just sort of spiel about the peak in Jersey here and, and you know, the, the northern mid-Atlantic, probably similar in New England. What is the peak in your location? Uh, we'd love to hear about that as well, um, because Tropo, I mean, that that, that it, it, I'm always fascinated to hear about that. So, you know, we thinking about that and then before you know it i mean time just flies it'll be you know december and geminids um and uh you know a a good real you know you know strong probably the strongest meteor shower as far as it pertains to dx on the calendar so uh it doesn't end with eskip i know some of you check out once eskip ends and that's totally fine but i don't know for me i i kind of come alive depending on how good of a tropo season we have. Me true. I, I love I love the casual nature of tropo. It's not yes. in a hurry. The opening's yes. not going to close on yes. you really fast. That is you why. Can spend you your can, time yeah. working the sampling opening. the stations a little bit too. I don't know. I that, that's I don't if if you were asking me and you know little Nick, that's not very important, but like what's my favorite, you know, DX like the good long haul tropo opening it, it doesn't get any better than that for me so. absolutely and i second the call i think uh either this this coming show which i think you know probably six weeks out like normal from that um or per perhaps the following next few shows i'd love to have in the mix of things like so keep sending eskit meteor scatter whatever Definitely. but we want to hear about tropo i think i'm really interested you know i've read some anecdotes about the tropo across the mediterranean sea and between Southern Europe and the, and the Northern coast of Africa, yes. some epic tropo over there, you know, perhaps the Black Sea in, in Eastern Europe, or even some of the Northern um, uh, Atlantic Oceanic areas there, you know, maybe our, our Finnish DX Association can chime in on, on that as well. It. 
really want to hear about it. Like what's your peak season? What, what do you see? Like, are there any cool overland openings out there or in, in your neck of the woods? We'd love to talk about it because it's just fun to consider all the DX possibilities around the world. And, uh, and with that, we look forward to hearing from you VHFDXpodcast at gmail.com. And then um, as, as always moving forward, we'll feature a few clips right now. Um, this time we're going to focus on our North American DXing community. Last time we, we did uh, Asia and Europe, and we wanted to just um, highlight some of the excellent clips that were submitted Keep them coming, vhfdxpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, thank you for listening. And welcome to the audio spotlight for today. As promised in the part one episode, today we turn to North America for audio and anecdotes on this side of the Atlantic. We've got a lot of contributors to get to today, and I thank everyone for their generous outreach. If we didn't get to your clip today, stay tuned. We'll be playing these throughout the winter at the end of each episode. We're going to start quickly here, moving west to east in California, where our longtime DXer Chime Hart from Sherman Oaks near LA took us up on the anecdote part of this segment, although we didn't have any audio to share right now. Chime wrote, Well, Bryce, some of us here in the West, that phrase DX best of is an oxymoron. I only had five or so instances of e-skip and hardly any action but for June 20th. I told a good friend of mine, if the action doesn't pick up by June 6, it typically does not here. Well, we're holding out hope for you in 2023, Chime. For what it's worth, I DX for a few years near Los Angeles and it was a struggle. I attribute most of that to the tall hills and the mountains that obstructed the productive eastern and northern horizons at my particular location there. But a lot of areas have that kind of terrain and the crowded band and arid climate doesn't really help. So definitely any DX in Southern California near LA is a treasure. But on the flip side, on the other side of the vast Sierra Nevada mountains, which shield Randy Zur from the clutter of Southern and Central California stations and terrain, Randy has practically the whole band available for DX and has been making the most of it with a humble six element FM beam in the small town of Goldfield, Nevada. Randy shared a lot of audio with me and I had the very regrettable task of narrowing them down, at least for now, to just a couple of clips. For those that aren't familiar with Randy's story, we interviewed him last fall on a previous episode of this podcast, so maybe take a listen if you want to learn more about him. Many will know his previous DX location was in the panhandle of Florida, where he called the town of Fort Walton Beach home for many years. Now 1,800 miles or 2,900 kilometers away, the first clip that Randy shared with us today is of a station in his former town of Fort Walton Beach, 96.5 Z96, which has the call letters WZNS. Looking for caller number six. The United Way Emerald Coast School Supply Drive is here. And Z96 needs your help. Pick up extra school supplies, you shop, and help us stuff the bus. Saturday, July 30th at Walmart locations in Fort Walton Beach, Niceville, and Crestview. Join the United Way Emerald Coast, Step 1 Automotive Group, Okaloosa Gas, and Z96. And let's make sure every child has the tools they need to succeed. Find out more at z 96 During the same opening on July 18th, Randy's reception stretched out to even longer distances, deep into Florida. Among several stations in Central and South Florida, including a 250-watt translator in Tampa, Randy sent us this clip of a high-powered DX target for many of us, 93.9 WMIA, 
As you'd guess, this broadcasts from Miami, which is about 2,300 miles or 3,700 kilometers from Randy. Take all of the 90s to now with you. Pull up the iHeartRadio app and play 93.9 MIA. Finally, for many of us, short e-skip is a fascinating and rewarding topic. We'll round up Randy's submission for now with the station just across the mountains from Randy in Flagstaff, Arizona. This station goes by Calf Country with the call letters K-A-F-F on 92.9. It broadcasts over a very large and rural area of northern Arizona from a tall mountain near the town of Flagstaff. For Randy, this is his short e-skip record at 371 miles, which is about 600 kilometers. 92.9 Calf Country The central and midwest U.S. states often offer a bounty of DX with nearly 360 degrees of e-skip possibility. That compass includes some interesting areas in Mexico and Central America. Given some of the attention to the sub-88 megahertz DX lately on FM, Jim Thomas of Southern Missouri has been monitoring that part of the band in his southern direction and found a few interesting unauthorized pirate stations. We generally assume these run lower power, but as we learned in the last episode with that unauthorized station in the Netherlands, well, perhaps these have some power behind them. Who knows? The first station is a shorter distance, about 800 miles or 1,300 kilometers from Jim in the Mexican border region of Texas. This station goes by Radio Paz de la Esperanza, a religious Spanish-language station transmitting from Brownsville, Texas, or somewhere in that area on 87. La buena música y sobre todo la esperanza para tu vida. Somos Radio Paz, la voz Comunícate, comunícate, comunícate. The next station comes from the Mexican side of the border on 87.5. The station goes by Radio Gracia, as you'll hear in the ID, and on their website they also call themselves Radio Creciendo en Gracia, or Radio Grace and Growing in Grace in English. Jim reports that this station comes from Santa Cruz, Tamaulipas, not far from the last station, just on the Mexican side and a little bit west. Radio Renovando tu mente. Hopping to the eastern U.S., DXer Ash of Westchester, Pennsylvania shares a recent record-breaking DX log for him. This is another short e-skip reception. The station goes by Pure Country 88.7 and broadcasts from Windsor, Ontario, one of Canada's more populated areas just across the border from Detroit. For those unfamiliar with North American DX, there are two elements in play here. First, you'll hear a distinct sounding noise in the background. That comes from HD radio, a technology heavily used in urban North American cities. The technology involves a digital carrier on adjacent frequencies to the transmitting station. Ash has one of those stations on 88.5, the lower adjacent local to this frequency. 
and this DX managed to make it through the noise. While that worked against Ash, one element that helps get one's attention is the format, which is unique for us in the United States below 92 megahertz. In the US, 88 to 92 megahertz is reserved for non-commercial broadcasters. As such, public radio and religious programming dominate in these frequencies, and music like mainstream country are pretty rare. And it's indicative that usually you're hearing something from outside of the United States when you catch a format like country below 92 megahertz. Without further ado, here's the audio from this station, CIMX-FM, clocking in at 665 kilometers or 413 miles for Ash's new short e-skip record. Last, but certainly not least, at the edge of the North American continent is the much-discussed new FMDXer Larry Horlick. Larry's first submission reflects one of a few openings he experienced this year to Northwest Africa. This presumably long double-hop reception clocks in at over 2,600 miles from Larry, which is about 4,200 kilometers. Larry writes us, being my second year at this FMDX hobby, and only the first year with an SDR, everything is significant. However, certainly Northwest Africa has to be at the top of my list. Attached is my reception on July 28th of 90.2 SNRT Radio Agadir in Goulmem, Morocco, which is in the southern part of the country, not far from the Western Sahara border. This is a four kilowatt transmitter. The audio sounds kind of distorted and the transmitting signal seemed particularly wide. I'm not sure if this is normal and intentional or if it's a defective transmitter, but there was another station with similar transmitting bandwidth from Morocco, so it could just be a local practice. Hearing someone speaking Arabic and knowing that I was hearing this directly on an FM radio receiver all the way across the Atlantic Ocean gave me shivers. Thank you for this submission, Larry. It should be noted here that while I'm not proficient in Arabic, I don't believe there's a station ID here. Larry did log RDS on this station though, so it did create a positive ID. Larry's second clip hits a sweet spot for me, a small local station in an isolated area with few FM signals. With our crowded bands and tendency to pick the low-hanging fruit, if you will, it can be very easy to overlook or miss these openings to rural areas for many. But Larry managed to be at the right place in the right time and managed to catch this station from the Arctic north of his home country of Canada. Larry writes about this one. This is particularly special to me. The station is CFFB 91.1 in Iqaluit in the northern Canadian Arctic territory of Nunavut on the southeast end of Baffin Island. I lived in Iqaluit for 35 years until I retired and moved to Newfoundland in 2014. The audio path is a news item about an Inuk man in the Rankin Inlet who intervened to help a woman who crossed paths with a polar bear. Polar bears are common in this region, often wandering into town. They are the only carnivorous bear species, a fact that everyone who shares residence with them has knowledge of. The gentleman in the broadcast says, I went in between the Nanook and her. Nanook is the Inuktitut word for polar bear. 
This could not have been a more poignant reception of CFFB. Wayne Taylor reports. I'm still shaking. It freaked me out. Wayne was just getting off a night shift at the Rankin Inlet Healing Facility when he saw the polar bear. Kusugakset heard his vehicle and started running away, but followed. And that's when he saw him heading towards a woman out walking. So I quickly grabbed my vehicle and I went right in between the nano and her and she started screaming, I unlocked my vehicle. She hopped in. They continued following and called the polar bear hotline. Daniel Kalujak answered the call. And that's a wrap for today. We have lots of audio that we haven't been able to share here, including Nick and I's own highlights. We'll feature some of that on the next episode and we're hoping for a robust remainder of September for Tropo. Not to beat a dead horse, but please continue sending us highlights of your Tropo or any other DX that you hear or perhaps uncover from IQ files during this fall season in the Northern Hemisphere. We love all of it and love to play it here. The email address once again to send these clips to is vhfdxpodcast, all one word, vhfdxpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back to you in October for another episode of the VHF DX Podcast. Podcast.